0: And welcome to episode 71 of the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. This podcast is all about developing your voice as a journalist and developing the skills to harness that voice. And I'm about to introduce someone with one of the most distinct voices, narratively and visually, in the industry today. Before that, Here's this. First, please subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher Smart Radio. It's the best podcast app I know. It keeps a playlist of your favorite shows and automatically updates with new episodes so you don't have to download them. Just download the Stitcher app and subscribe to the Telling the Story podcast. Second, rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If you like what you're hearing and want others to hear it too, a kind rating on iTunes is the best way to boost us in the rankings and search. So I kindly encourage that. Finally, you can buy my book, The Solo Video Journalist, wherever fine books are sold. It is a how-to guide for the most in-demand job in local TV news. Those solo video journalists, those who shoot and edit their own stories. It's getting picked up by college classes, it's being read around the world. So again, that is The Solo Video Journalist on sale now. And speaking of that book, it's full of advice from not just my own experiences, but those of nearly a dozen other solo video journalists who I interviewed. And I wanted to make sure that I found those who were the best, unmistakably the best, and those who still would be years after the book came out. So I called Ann Herbst, Greg Bledsoe, Ted Land, names anyone in local news would know. But I also noticed this guy out of Nashville who had just started submitting his stories for awards, and those stories were such fully realized visions of storytelling that I had to take notice. And I wasn't alone. In the last few years, My guest tonight has won Emmy Awards, two Edward R. Murrow Awards this past week, was a finalist for the NPPA's Photographer of the Year Award, and this past year was named the NPPA's National Solo Video Journalist of the Year. From WSMB in Nashville, Forrest Sanders, welcome to the Telling the Story Podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's good to talk to you again, man. Hey, Forrest, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm... I really appreciate you let me be in the book a few years ago. It was really nice to kind like, of get like a message from you out of the blue to uh, to take part of that. And when I saw the list of the other people that were on that, it was uh, it was a really nice honor uh, that that you uh, you included me in on that because those were some of the guys that I was watching and uh, taking notes from uh, at, at that time of like, okay, this is this is this is the way that it's done. So I love well, that I got to be part of that. Thank you.
0: The funny thing about that is that when I interviewed you, you know, like as you said, it was kind of out of the blue. We hadn't met before or talked before, right. so I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, I knew your work and I had a feeling of of the kind of interview you would provide. But again, you know, I, I certainly hadn't seen you speak or anything like that. So when we talked, I just remember being so impressed with how well you understood your own style. You spoke with such clarity about your mindset, about the techniques you used for shooting and editing. And that was the chapter that we focused on with you specifically was editing. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a gratifying thing to speak with someone and have expectations for that person and then have that person just clear those expectations completely um, with how much you were able to provide. So, uh, you know, first of all, for those of you listening... First chapter in the book is phenomenal, and his advice about editing is great, so I I fully encourage you to check it out. But also, that's part of why I wanted to have you on today, because Mm. to me, I, I look at you and I see someone who knows his passions, who knows his goals, and then works his butt off to realize them. And my first question for you is, how would you define those goals? Not necessarily story by story, but I'm curious, for your career, for your time in this business,
1: how do you see this opportunity that you have? I'm just trying to uh, tell stories as well as I can. Because I think, like, I look back at the really early part of uh, of my career. Well, I say the early part. Honestly, it was probably uh, the first, like, seven or so years that I was doing this. And I had a lot of motivation, but I didn't know how to uh, channel it in the right direction yet. So some of the editing that I was doing early on... I keep saying it early on, but honestly it was probably the first seven <laughs> years. Uh, it was, uh, it was really distracting. Uh, it wasn't serving the story in the way that it should. I feel like, um, some of the, 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 work that I was doing early on was very, Hey, look what I can do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had to, I had to fix that. And, um, I mean, I got involved in MPPA when I'd already been in the business for for several years, and uh, I I may talk about this a little bit later on in this, but I think it really helped kind of set me uh, on the right track, Uh, and it happened pretty much immediately. Um, I I was starting to channel it better in the right direction, and I was starting to really think, and after I'd seen some pieces through MPPA, I was starting to think in terms of like, you know, what really matters. How uh, how something is shot, the pacing, how is something is cut, in terms of like how that tells a story, and maybe not every piece is a great big sizzle reel. For what I can do, maybe we need to like step back a little bit and um, and make sure that this person is a focus, and like whatever you're doing, it it, it complements that person and how their story needs to be told as well as you can. So I think that that's kind of the goal for me is like, I just want to tell stories well. And, um, you know, I guess I've been in the business coming up on about 12 years and hopefully I'm starting to figure that out. You know,
0: (laughs) I don't feel like your story is a unique one in that I feel like many of us, we get into the business and our motivations are often dictated by what is by external factors, whether it's yeah. wanting to get to a big market, whether it's wanting to, you know, show, wanting to dazzle everybody with everything that we know how to do and to prove to people who might not know who we are that, hey, we can do this and doing something to get noticed. And then once you've done that for a while and you've had a little bit of validation and then suddenly you realize oh i don't have to do that and what i should be doing is let the stories stand out on their own and use my skills to complement them and it's funny you know you kept laughing about how early on meant seven years but i would i look at my own career arc and it would be pretty similar where the first two stops of my career were probably about 6 years and by the time i got to atlanta i i had never heard of the nppa mm-hmm. and then about a few months in suddenly one of the photographers at our station tipped me off to the MPPA, and I was watching these stories where people would just let it breathe, yeah. and people would just let their subjects talk and give their stories room to shine. And it was a pivotal change in how I thought about my work. And, and again, not saying that I was intentionally trying to, uh, you know, subvert or, uh, or or suppress what my subjects were trying to say, or, or you know, put my own showcase before their story but I realized once I started seeing NPPA stories how much I was actually doing that unintentionally
1: yeah I wonder the, if you had the same response exactly just you, you see it and you realize it's like oh this is what it can this is what it can be like my intentions I think were in the right place and everything before but um so like I got in NPPA I guess it was about five years ago and I really wish I had gotten into it before that um because just, you know, I never went to a workshop, but I did go to a conference and then I did the competition. And uh, like I said just a moment ago, it was nearly immediately life changing. I know we're sounding like a big commercial for NBA <laughs> right now, but like, it, it's true. Like, I, uh, I got in the competition and the first quarter that I competed in, I saw a piece by uh, Kevin Torres, and he had gotten like a first, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. And he had gotten a first place in a feature category. And uh, you know, just sitting down and watching that piece, it was like, oh, so this is the level someone out there is playing on. And then you know, later I saw some stuff by Ann Herbst. I saw some stuff by you, and I was like, okay, well, it's time to go ahead and step it up because these guys are like doing really, really good work, and. Uh, you know, I'm feeling the emotions watching the, the, the stories by these people and they're not resorting to any of the gimmicky stuff that I might have been doing before. <laughs> pacing was I think the, the big thing that I really had to learn, like how much value there was and maybe holding a shot on somebody after a soundbite and like because I think like sometimes people will say something and you can really read something on their face after they say uh something uh, a soundbite that has a lot of emotion to it and just the power of like just holding on something and letting that moment breathe and letting that moment be for a little while and i don't know that i had that before i think that uh i was very much about zipping right along and like we got to keep this moving we got to keep this moving and um, mppa i think really showed me the way with that. And, um, I mean, I understand that there are a lot of markets out there that they believe in packages that are about a minute and 10 seconds, and it's hard to do that sort of thing. I would just say that those emotional moments, they count. And if you can't get them on TV, uh, believe me, the web is your friend.
0: (laughs) Now I want to offer a contrary take to something you said about how, You wished you had discovered the NPPA earlier in your career, yes, and uh, as someone who we just you know we just talked about that I had a similar experience, sometimes I wonder about that about what if I had discovered nPPA style storytelling, or even beyond that, what if I had entered the business at a point such as how people enter it now, where I can go on the web and watch every story that just won a regional murrow and Every story that uh, that wins an IRE award mm-hmm. or any major award, and I can be influenced by that. And sometimes I think, okay, if I'm 21, 22, and I'm coming out into that environment, I can watch all this work and absorb it and develop those techniques, And I and I could do that way earlier than I actually did that in my career. Mm-hmm. But then I think for people like you and me, for example, it actually pays off to have not been influenced by that so early because we were able to develop our own styles. And I think part of the reason that your work stands out amidst a very talented field of solo video journalists that are out there now and journalists in general that are doing great work, but I feel like you have a very distinct style that comes from how you approach storytelling originally, before you could learn about everything from the MPPA and all of the different techniques that would help you refine that approach, and I don't know if you I don't know if you buy that or if you agree with it, but to me that's something that stands out to me about your work. And and as this podcast is all about developing your voice as a journalist, sometimes I wonder if you know maybe we're all too quick to watch others and try to replicate before we figure out who we are and learn our own style. What do you think? That may be
1: possible. I mean, um, I hear that from some people that like, Oh, you're, you've got this particular like style to it. I don't know that I, um, I have like a whole lot of uh, recognition of that because like when I'm doing things like to me, this is just the way that it makes sense to do it. Like the way that it's set up and everything is like, well, you know, this is, <laughs> this is the only way that I can think to even put this, uh, this story together. So like that's that's the way that that, that I put it together, but, but that's I mean, the
0: point too. That's been ingrained in you, I'd imagine, yeah. over the first seven years of your career, doing things and figuring out what you
1: like. And I guess it all kind of depends for all of us what our different influences were uh, growing up in terms of like how we shoot things and how we uh, we view things. And uh, you know, there there was a, a little story that uh, that I told for your book. <laughs> About, I've like, heard this
0: story. I know what you are going to tell, and I've heard this story several times. But i I would love for my okay. podcast audience to hear it because it's great. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, this is so absurd. <laughs> yeah, so like because basically, what it was is like I grew up. I loved to write. Um, part of speech and debate in high school, so that's where kind of like the the public speaking element came of it. And like this uh, this gig always kind of seemed like ah, you know this is this is the right combination of different things that that I love doing. Um, so I always had this interest in the creation of TV, but I didn't have the, uh, the, the, know-how in terms of production yet when I was probably in high school. So, uh, what it was that made it a uh, click in my mind, uh, and, uh, made me understand it was I saw a movie called The Evil Dead. The original from, I think it's like from 1982, 83, something like that. And, uh, something about this movie, uh, made it click. I saw this thing, and I watched it over and over and over again when I was in high school. And it was like I could understand shot composition in a way that I couldn't before. Uh, because movies I'd seen before that had, uh, had been so polished. But there was something about this particular movie that was truly made on a shoestring budget um, that made it somewhat more attainable or something. It, they had just shot it in a really interesting way. Low, low budget, but they had shot it in an interesting way. So I could recognize this was a work of people who were passionate about what they were doing. So watch how they shot it, and it just clicked. And I'll mention, like, not only have I told this story uh, in, in your book, <laughs> but I've told it at every single conference that I've done for years. I, ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, so I even thanked the Evil Dead at the Emmys this year. This is true. That's great. I, I think the Evil Dead at the Emmys, and uh, you know, my parents are watching from home, and I'm sure that they would have been embarrassed to death. But you know, at this point, they know me. They're probably like, "Well, that's our son." <laughs> in, in the room at the Emmys, probably all of like ten people out of the entire audience like applaud after the Evil Dead mention. I'm sure everybody else is just sitting there thinking, "Like, who is this strange man, and what is this awful movie?"
0: <laughs> Shout and, out to Sam Raimi.
1: That, yeah, you know, uh, well, that's true. Like, at least you mentioned, like, that was, like, directed by, uh, by Sam Raimi, who went on to do, like, the, the, the Spider-Man, uh, trilogy, uh, with, uh, with Tobey Maguire, uh, he did like a Wizard of Oz movie a couple of years ago. I want to say that the thing was called Oz Great and Powerful or something like that. Uh, but, you know, he started with these kind of uh, humble beginnings. And I love the movie. Don't get me wrong. But like it was something uh, really cheap, but he had like a passion for what he did. And then he uh, went on to do uh, really great things. One last thing I'll mention about it. I was speaking at the uh, the MPPA conference, uh, the, the Northern Conference. And I'm telling my Evil Dead story. And I really like this dude who is, like, on the front row who's, like, furiously writing everything down. He, he raises his hand, <laughs> and he says, oh, wow, uh, no, 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 what was what was the name of that film? And I'm like, <laughs> The Evil Dead. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he jots it down. So, like, when he goes home and he rents that thing, uh, he's going to be in for a surprise. I don't exactly recommend it to, like, uh, I keep talking about it, but, like, uh, it's not something that I think, like, young journalists will watch this movie and uh, it's going to change your life. It did it for me, but, I mean, like, we're all kind of different in this. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a a super low-budget, really gross horror movie.
0: I will say that, uh, first of all, you talk about Sam Raimi. Yeah. And... Even if none of us have seen The Evil Dead except for you, and and, and, I, and I don't know that that's the case, but maybe. Um, I think most of us saw the Tommy, the Toby Maguire Spider-Man series. Yeah. And I think you could even argue in that. If you watch that movie today, the original one or Spider-Man mm-hmm. 2, not so much Spider-Man 3, but the Agreed. original two. Yeah. And if you watch those two and you compare them to all the Marvel movies and the the DC comic movies that are out today, I mean, that has a very distinct voice. Yeah. And that's not made the way that most superhero movies are made. And and his Spider-Man, as I remember, was the one that really brought back this whole tidal wave of superhero movies that is now crested with uh, the new Avengers movie that came out. But again, yeah, I think you're that, right. that voice is there. And I, the only other thing I'll add to that is that my own journey with inspiration that would seem out of the blue is that right around the time I took my job in Buffalo... I was just getting into The Daily Show. I'd been into The Daily Show for a while, but particularly Mm -hmm. the kinds of stories that Stephen Colbert and Ed Helms and uh, those reporters were doing. And I started (laughs) injecting that into my storytelling in Buffalo. And for a while, I mean, there's about six months of time where you can go through the archives at WGRZ and find a whole lot of Daily Show-style pieces cheaply produced and shot by yours truly. And, but... I'll be darned if once I gave that style up, that still didn't influence the way that I told a story. And I think there is something to be said for finding those pieces of inspiration that speak to you and that ultimately ingrain in you certain things that need to be in stories. And one thing I would say about my evolution past daily show style storytelling is that to this day, even when I'm telling very serious stories, I have a knack for trying to find the humorous moments in them like I try yeah. not to forget about them and I think that partially comes from that and I would say when I watch your work today there are still little hints even as you've evolved and, and developed all these different techniques that you've absorbed there are still hints of what I envisioned to be that Evil Dead style storytelling that I saw in your earliest work that you were submitting.
1: Yeah, I, so I, think I, I think that's it's true. true. That's why I had to had to thank it at the Emmys because, like, uh, <laughs> I, I owe my news career to The Evil Dead. But like, I think that that uh, you make a really interesting point. I think like if we were to, to, to talk to anybody who uh, who shoots, like, we would all just have like really different influences. But like, we have like this uh, this this common um, uh, job that that we're doing now. It, it, just for me, it was. Um, it was it was horror movies. Uh, it was like uh, Brian De Palma stuff from the uh, the 70s. These kind of like uh, the, these guys who are working with low budgets, but could shoot in an interesting way. And, I would, you know, I've always kind of taken mental note when I watch some of these things that like uh, I'm going to oh, how I need to figure out how to, to, to do a shot that has a little bit of that to it. Uh, and I found a few other horror movie dudes in this business, too, uh, uh, other photographers. I was talking to, uh, to Darren McQuaid uh, the other day. He's an awesome photographer up east for MPPA. Uh, Joseph Huerta, mm-hmm. uh, who is up for the Ernie Chris Photographer of the Year right now. Uh, he's also super into to, to horror movies. And uh, I don't think it's a case of us all just being very sick men. Uh, <laughs> for, for me, there's... for me it's a it's a production of them it's the the way they're shot they're very much about how how they're shot and they're very much about how they're paced uh horror movies are very deliberate in the way that they're they're put together it takes skill to make an effective horror movie and um i guess that's why i was kind of drawn to them when uh when i was growing up um And, I mean, even though I'm not pacing things for the same reason that they're pacing things, they're about uh, shot composition and pacing, and uh, that's what I try to to, to be about, too. So that's where that connection uh, comes about.
0: This is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. He is Forrest Sanders, the NPPA's newest national solo video journalist of the year. Forrest, uh, I wanted to... Uh, just move a little bit into how you've carved out your role at your station. And I know when we talked for the book, Mm -hmm. you know, it was for you, it was about you work for a station that is very much a hard news station. And for the most part, you're doing minute 15 minute, 30 stories, Mm -hmm. but you would try to carve out time. You would take your own time sometimes and put together these three to four minute masterpieces, That would run maybe every month, every few months on your station. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such a good lesson for a lot of the younger journalists out there who might be either coming up or arriving in a market where they're not sure how to find their lane. I want to take it back to when you first got to WSMV and when you first realized that you wanted to start taking that time and making that investment and – telling these stories that maybe weren't presenting themselves naturally in
1: the flow of the newsroom. Right. I, I'm glad that you asked about this, too, because uh, I, this is this subject's pretty important to me. And and you're right. Like the the first couple of years, just by the nature uh, of a newsroom, you know, it's hard to like step, step in and say, hey, can I have. Uh, an entire day to, to put together like uh, this really pretty story and then we'll we'll just run it tomorrow or something. They need you to like turn out something today and it needs to be on at four o'clock you know like it, and I understand that you've got a limited number of, of people in staffing you've got hard news that's happening that day that they need you to be on. So um, several years in I decided that I was going to start doing kind of pet projects And it's kind of turned into something that I do about once a month on average. I just want to put together something that is completely uncompromised. And uh, yes, like this is something that I'm usually going to do on a day off. I'm at least going to shoot it on a day off. There are uh, certain circumstances where, you know, I might shoot it on a Sunday when I'm off. And I come in on Monday and say, hey, I've got this footage can I put this piece together? And they're like, yeah, uh, sure, go for it. They're, they're probably not going to give you two days to work on something. But they might like let you have a day to, to edit or something like that. And uh, if they run it, then cool. If they don't, well, the web is your friend. Uh, and I've had several pieces that have just kind of found their audience there. And I know a lot of people, like they, they hear me talking about this, especially young journalists, and they think, you know, like I don't want to, spend uh, my day off <laughs> work, do, doing work. But I, I really believe that we are responsible for keeping our own fire burning. I know a lot of people in this business who have kind of had the wind taken out of their sails for one reason or another. They're not doing work that they love enough. And I mean, in, like day to day, we're not going to love every single story that that we that we're assigned and every story that we do. But I think we have to have the occasional piece that we're passionate about, just to to, to keep going in this business and to stay interested. And I learn things from uh, from the stories that I get to spend some extra time on that I'm not pressured that ah, I have to have like this completely shot in an hour so I can get back to the station in this amount of time and and edit. Just like having a story where you can like just breathe. And uh, really work it up and turn it into something that you can be proud of. You've learned something from that. And you can carry that over into the stories that you're doing as uh, as a day turn. And I think it's really important that you do them. And like I said, I'm not doing them every weekend. This is like, on average, one story a month that's completely uncompromised that I'm completely uh, happy with and uh and that's the goal and uh that has kept me interested in the business and it's been really really important to me to do that and i'll even like say that with uh with the caveat that like i understand like i'm just a single dude who lives alone and has no major responsibilities so like i understand that this is probably easier for me to say than it is for 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 somebody who has like a family responsibilities but uh so maybe For you, like, it it won't be, like, uh, one a month, but just, like, sometimes, like, if you can just find the time to to do that story you're passionate about, I think it's
0: really important. So, I want to clarify a couple of things that you mentioned there. So, first of all, you're saying you still do, you still go out and essentially take a day off once a month. Oh, yeah. And you're Mm -hmm. shooting these kinds of stories. And those, there just isn't the time in the day uh, during the normal news week, you don't get a day off. You know, or not a day off, but you don't get a day uh, off boards out of the mix to go shoot
1: the stories that you produce. No, uh, those stories, uh, those, those are my babies. So, like, I, I, I make the time for them. Yeah. And with
0: the success that you've had, I'm, I'm curious. You mentioned something like you would go in on a Sunday, or mm-hmm. not go in, but you would shoot a story on a Sunday and then come in on a Monday and be like, Hey, I just, you know, happen to have all of this footage. Mm-hmm. Can I produce a story? Right. Um,
1: That's have how they it ever usually plays out? Right. Have they ever turned that down? Um, well, like it's it's been a long time since us. Yes, there has been a, a piece uh, from from a while back that I, I think that the the story sounded really unusual to a uh, particular producer, and uh, this uh, piece ended up being a web only uh, sort of thing. Uh, I don't know if that if I just didn't pitch the thing the right way or what it is, but I think the the Uh, somebody just thought it sounded really strange. Uh, And I love this little piece. Uh, And uh, so I just put it on the, uh, the, the website and it found its audience there. Uh, It's probably still one of the most shared pieces that, that I've done. It's a, it's a piece called the, uh, the funeral man. Mm. And, uh, it's it's on my uh my my youtube page that nobody ever goes to <laughs> <It> <laughs> we'll include pretty... link with the uh show notes to yeah, that so that a... we can up your youtube views <laughs> a little bit it's a it's a it's a pathetic little thing my uh, my <laughs> youtube page uh but you know like it was a story that like it, it was a it was a saturday and um the piece for one thing it was it was way beyond like uh what our our like time limits are. Like I think uh the funeral man is about three minutes. It just wasn't fitting the, the the format. But like um I went in and I thought like uh basically what, what this story is, uh, is there's this man who went to uh every single funeral in this community for decades. Every mm-hmm. single funeral. He might know the person's family, he might not. This was uh this was an older man he had uh autism and this was what he did is you would see him uh, his name was John L and you you'd see John L walking down the street and uh he just uh, everybody in this community really loved this man and it mattered so much to them that he was going to every single funeral uh you know whether he he knew the people or not and uh he was known as the funeral man in this town so uh John L passed away he <laughs> was um he was older and uh, they're going to have a funeral for the funeral man. And when I heard about this, I thought, this story is going to happen all at once. You either get it or you, or that, that moment passes by and you don't get it. So, and I, I thought, like, and it's got to be a day turn, too. Like, this needs to be out there that night um, it, for, for, for people to watch. The, uh, the the day of the funeral, it needs to be out there. So I went over and uh, and I shot it. And I was the only uh, uh, television media, at least uh, that was there. I think that there was uh, uh, the local newspaper. I think was there, and uh, you know, like everybody in this town had turned out for this man's funeral. And the you know, when they were driving the procession down the street, like the uh, the, the streets were were just lined with people. Everybody in the little local shops, at the little diner, at the barber shop, they all walk out of their store and they're just watching this go by. You know it was just one of those moments, and I was so glad that I got to get that because like I said, like this happens once, and it was one of those things that like I feel really lucky to get to do what I do because I get to experience that, and I get to to watch that moment happen and uh and like i said it it found its audience it it, it got out there and uh, it's gotten shares and i've shown it at most of the little conferences uh that i've done because um it was just one of those beautiful little things that like I'm really glad that I got to to share that with people. Hmm. Yeah, do
0: you feel like at this point you have done enough of those stories and received enough recognition that your bosses and your producers they don't question when you come in with a story anymore. They they they've you've established yourself and you've established the work that you do.
1: Well, I hope so. But I mean, there's just also this thing of um it it's just like the the way things are set up like we we're we're short staffed and everything right now like they need day turns from me and i understand that yeah you know like so like they need something from me uh that day so like i kind of get that like i'm i if i'm going to be doing these pet projects these stories that are going to have some depth and more to it than what i can gather in an hour or two i'm just going to have to take a day and just do it and um you know that's uh, that's just the way it is, and I, I don't have an issue with that either. Like I kind of l- like working at my pace, and uh, it's, it's not like I can put this on a time card or anything because like the, the amount of hours would be crazy. Because like I'm really taking my time. You know, I'm sitting around just waiting for the right sunset or uh, sunrise shot, and uh, you know, I'm very working on forest time. Uh, when, when all of that's going on, like, I'll shoot something over, like, several times, and, uh, the, the pacing of, of how I'm working is very different than, uh, you know, the running and gunning that I'm going to, to need to do on, uh, on a daily basis.
0: This is the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearl. He is Forrest Sanders, solo video journalist over at WSMV in Nashville, and an extraordinary storyteller. The awards piling up by the week, it seems like, Forrest. Just incredible.
1: Um, Thanks, man. This advice... Well, for you, too. Uh, Congratulations uh, on four four Murrows last week. That's incredible, man. Thank you very much. I
0: appreciate that. Uh, This last section is always an advice section for young journalists, and this whole episode seems to have gone in that direction, but I do want to take a step back with you to those first few years of your career, and where you were working, and the steps you were taking that helped you grow as a journalist. So take me back to that first job. Where were you? What was your position, uh, and what was your evolution in that time?
1: So, uh, first job was at WBKO in, uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. It's the, uh, the ABC affiliate there. I believe that they're, uh, I might be wrong about this. I think at the time they were, on, uh, uh, market 182, uh, I think. So we were, uh, we were a small market, uh, but we had some really sharp people in there who, uh, you could, could tell like, uh, really cared about, about what they were doing. And so I was, uh, I was an MMJ back then. Uh, my college experience, everything that I had done up until that point was very much uh, kind of like gearing me in that direction. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And um, so I was there for two years. I went to, uh, to WSMV and was initially hired as a photographer. And I did that for a year. And then I uh, switched over and started uh, MMJ for WSMV after that. And uh, from that experience, being a photographer for a year, I have always believed this: uh, I, that being a photographer, just straight on photographer, uh, is is harder than being an MMJ. I've always believed that. Interesting. And, and yeah. elaborate on that. Well, uh, first of all, because of like all the uh, the the. I I was doing a lot of uh, running around and setting up live trucks to to set up live shots and everything, and that was um, that aspect of things was difficult for me because I think I've been always kind of geared more toward the uh, the writing, the shooting, the editing, the storytelling side of things, but to like do something that's straight up technical on occasion, that was definitely not in my wheelhouse in the same way, and plus like. I, I, I'm kind of used to doing things in my particular way and everything. And then, you know, you're working with a variety of different personalities and some of the scripts that I was getting were pretty good. And some of them, like, I don't know, they were, they were kind of like focused on things in a different way. I'm getting the script. And I'm looking at it and thinking, ah, that's definitely not how I would have done this. It's like, oh, but what about this moment in this moment? Um, that's the thing about being an MMJ for a while. You definitely get set on like doing things your particular way. I'm an only child. I don't know if that's what it is that like, <laughs> I just, are you an only child? Is, is this the common thread? Okay. Well, uh, scratch that theory <laughs> uh, I, where you're just like so used to doing things your particular way. Um, Oh, that's funny. That, that might be a uh, part of it for me. Uh, so anyway, uh, I've been at WSMB for close to, to, to 10 years now, I guess. But, um, but anyway, uh, like I said, we, we were talking about the various influences. I got influenced by, uh, by certain directors and their movies. And then uh, about five years ago, I got involved in uh, in, in PPA, and that helped me uh, for sure, uh, set me in uh, the right direction. But in terms of advice, uh, what you were talking about, I think my big thing is is that you probably need to set out and find your mentors and find those really good influences you may have a really great encouraging voice at your workplace who um gives really great advice and sets you on the right path you might have that where you are right now and you might not have that maybe you need an mppa or who knows what other organization that can get you that influence and that's what i needed uh and um I figure some others would, would will probably need like that really good influence and find it somewhere out there too.
0: So you were having
1: a hard time finding that within your newsroom. Well, it, it, there were definitely people there who uh, who were great influences. Um, we had like some some better I, I was lucky enough to to work with several veteran newscasters uh, at, at the place. And, like they're good influences in in different ways, but I, I think like. In terms of like me having this big interest in um, like long form feature storytelling, mm, like okay. I, I needed like an MPPA for that sort of thing. We've got yeah. like uh, my station, I think, had some uh, some really great uh, investigative uh, uh, journalists, people who were coming from uh, from that perspective of things, a wealth of knowledge of where to get information, who to get information from, and that's where their influence was really important to me. But, you know, here I am over here in La La Land, and I, I, I like doing this sort of thing over here. And uh, we have a really great uh, features reporter named uh, named Terry Bolger. But in terms of, like, um, a, an MMJ who uh, is really into long-form feature stories, I was kind of the only one at my station who was doing that.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a really good point to make, too. The, it's... it's... There are twin points in a way. First, you do have to find those voices and those mentors who do what you see yourself doing and right. what you specifically want to do. But I think there's also something to be said for having your eyes and ears open to the many ways in which people can be good role models and in which coworkers can be good role mm-hmm. models. There are anchors at my station who I may never want their job but I admire the dedication that they bring to their craft and the knowledge of the city that they need for their craft. And it forces me to examine how well I know my city. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely think that we can be influenced in so many positive ways. There doesn't have to be just one guiding light. You can pick and choose from many different people at really whatever station you're at. Yes. So I think that's very valuable advice to absolutely go out and find those mentors who are doing what you want to do, but also just take a look around you and see what else you can pick up and, and analyze your strengths and your weaknesses and find those who can help you get better.
1: Yeah. And I think like there's just a sort of a depth to the perspective of somebody who's been doing this job for for decades, especially in the cases where they've been in a particular market for decades. They understand the history of the area um, and uh, it's good to to pick their brain, I think, uh, to kind of understand the the perspective and, and the history of a place.
0: Well, Forrest, uh, this has been an absolute pleasure, and uh, if you've listened before, you know I always like to end with that famous reporter's question, one I'm sure you've asked before. Uh-oh. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to add?
1: Um, I think, like, most—I
0: <laughs> love that. that is, that's is—that's what we all end on, isn't it? <laughs> and a lot of times it's where the best sound bites come from, so I always include it, even on the podcast.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, like, I think you know, you just have to like uh, get in and, and invest in what you're doing and, and your craft. I think, like, uh, coming from the uh, the, the MPP uh, from from the MMJ uh, perspective, I think that there's a thought out there that uh, you know you you hire an MMJ and uh, here's your magic wand and poof, you're you're a photographer and. Um, you know, like this is it's not that this is something that you really have to work on and like uh, try to, to get better at. And it certainly took me years and years and years to get to a point where I was like, you know, hopefully this piece that I've just done, it's its pretty good. You know, like some friends um, and I took a trip to Chattanooga over the, uh, the, the weekend and saw this flyer that was looking for uh, like people to perform at an open mic night at a comedy club. My friends were saying, oh, you should do it. You should do it. I'm standing there thinking, no, <laughs> that's something that takes uh, skill and, uh, and practice. <laughs> I can't just walk up there and just do this thing that people have been honing their craft on for, for all this time. And they, they take it really seriously. And I feel like shooting and editing is, uh, is the same thing. If you're a student, you need to to, to do what you got to do at, at at your college or wherever you are to to try and get good at this. If you're in the biz, just find those uh, those mentors and those good influences that can uh, that that can make you uh, strong at uh, at doing this. It's uh it, it, we uh, we as mmjs we need to be uh, be helping out the uh, the, the newsroom uh, as well and not be that element that's uh, that's. Uh, kind of letting things down we've got like a quality to to what we do and um we want things to to still look good want things to look sharp uh, It's i think it's important to our field
0: i agree with all of that and i still would have loved to have seen you do that open mic (laughs) <laughs> I'd be so lousy at that
1: I am not funny, Matt All right, what well, am I going to do Sanders... go up there, talk about the evil dead? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I it's worked so material.
0: far <laughs> Alright, well, Forrest Sanders congratulations uh, on all of your honors and successes, keep up the great work and thank you so much for joining me on the Telling the Story podcast Of course, thank you Matt, honored to be here The Telling the Story blog updates every Wednesday The website is tellingthestoryblog.com Rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher Smart Radio. Check out my book, The Solo Video Journalist, featuring an interview with one Forrest Sanders. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time.